This week on the Recruitment Flex, Google has created a mousetrap to recruit software engineers. How about matching student loans as a benefit? What are recruiters trying to add to their tech stack in 2022? And James Ellis gives us four legs to stand on. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and as always joined by Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly. Hello. Again, it's been a week since I've talked to you. No, no. We talked the other night when we were booking our flights. We didn't talk. We we texted. We text. Well, it feels like the same thing. It does. does. It doesn't. Instead, we communicate with gifts and uh, (laughs) memes, generally most of the time. And I, you are I, so good. I don't know how you do it. Like you find the funniest gifts and memes. How do you do that so quickly? So clever and just on point. Oh my God. Well, you gifts. know, I'm in a couple of fantasy football leagues and I'll tell you the chat in fantasy football league is the most disgusting thing that you'll ever see because Guys talking together is not great. Like we insult each other quite a bit. And part of it is sending really mean memes or gifts. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday, they were talking about the body type of a football player. And then someone said, well, it could be worse. It could be Serge's body type, which is a 14-year-old girl. (laughs) And no, that is so bad. But I, I deserve it because we had our fantasy football draft at someone's house. And my buddy, JD, that runs the league, gained a lot of weight. So the first thing I said to him, I'm like, dude, you got fat. <laughs> and he, he did. But you shouldn't usually say that, but it's a little bit of what guy culture is and it's how we work. So when he put that, I just took uh, a meme of, Cartman from South Park, which is just, he's a ball and his head is a ball. And that's what JD's looking like right now. I'm like, well, at least my body type is not this. So we are mean to each other. Yes, I know. I have sons. And that is one thing as a mother, I still cannot stand to be around is when they go at each other, like the insults, the jabs. And I'm just like, I can't take it. I can't take it because as a mom, I don't find that funny at all. And Brooke gets even more upset. Does she really? Oh, goodness. The boys, that's exactly what they're like. And honestly, they think it's funny. It's its how guys communicate to each other. <laughs> if I had buddies over and my wife is around, she's like, you are so mean to your friends. I'm like, well, did you listen to them? Because they're pretty mean back. That's how we're showing love. Oh, well. Okay. Don't be upset at your sons. They're, I know. That's actually a really good sign. Yes, I know. But it's hard for okay. a mother to listen to. Yeah. So Shelly, I'm upset at you. I'm a little bit Uh upset at you because last week was your birthday on the day after we recorded a podcast. You never gave me a hint. I had no clue. You don't have your birthday on Facebook. So I didn't know it was your birthday and I missed it. I would have done something special. But then you did tell me you were very occupied with Brooklyn's graduation. So now all of your kids have graduated high school. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Brooke's graduation day was on my birthday. And 
I was very preoccupied with that because my one objective was for it to be a stress-free day for her. The way her school did it was they had the stage crossing ceremony in the morning. Then that finished just about 1130. And then you came back in the evening for more awards and speeches and they had a dance and a dinner and, and so on. But that's a lot in one day, like, holy smokes, it's a lot. I just wanted her to have a really fun, zero stress. Let me take care of everything rather than saying, do you have your shoes? Do you have this? Do you have that? I had everything organized, had it in the car. All she had to do was just get in the car and we'd go. And it worked out absolutely perfectly. The timing was great. She was very relaxed and had fun. We had all of her friends. She'd organized that. We all met at a park and I had a photographer come and do photos and they were doing like really goofy stuff, formal poses. There was some of that, but for the most part, it was just a really fun thing for them to all be together and celebrate. And then Brooke told me the day before Serge, she goes, mom, I hope you don't mind, but I invited my group of friends for the after-grad party to our house the day before. And if you know me, I like to make things a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they could just show up and and here's a six pack of Coke and some chips, right? No, 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 no. So I'm scrambling to get pastries and champagne and cheese platters. And you know what I'm worried about Brooklyn, Shelly is you coddle her a lot. Everything is taken care of for I'm nervous when her graduation day. Yeah. On everything. There's there's a lot that you coddle her across the board. She's my last baby. I know, but how is she going to survive when she moves out? How is that going to happen? Well, you just push the baby bird out of the nest and she'll be (laughs) fine. Yeah, she'll fly. Just push her out. She'll fly. Okay. I'm not even worried about that search. I honestly know she'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Because you do do a lot for her. You know, when you talk about love language, that's my love language is is being of service. That and gift giving. I love yes. Well, you're excellent at gift giving. And <laughs> I love it. I'm still blown away by the stuff that you've given to the girls. And I'll tell you, they still wear it to this day. Uh, it's funny because my wife does yeah. most of the shopping for the girls at Value Village, which is like a trip store because when they're two, three, like they go through clothes like crazy. And it's crazy the deals that you can get. So we leverage you as the good clothes that when we go out somewhere fancy, that's when we put the nice oh, shelly clothes. come on. Yeah. That just warms my heart. Thank you for telling me that. So- we have a lot of great recruitment insights this week. So let's just really dive in. Yeah. Okay, go. In my searches for topics across the internet, I want something that is different that we haven't talked about, or I feel the audience would have some interest. One of the things... Mm that I found really interesting is one that only Google can really do. So if you're Googling for things that are relevant to Google's tech stack, they're going to automatically assume you're an engineer, and then they're going to split the results page and invite you to a page where you have 48 hours to do a series of technical challenges. If you pass this, A Google recruiter is going to reach out to you and get your resume and you skip the technical screen because you've already done it. There was a gentleman that was just Googling for different things. I don't know what their tech stack is and got this invite and wrote an article on it describing the whole journey. And the experience was fantastic. Obviously, Google has a very unique opportunity here because 
90% of searches, probably even higher on the internet are done through Google. And they have the ability to just split the page and give the option to do this technical test. Not a lot of people know about this. And it reminds me when I was in tech recruitment, what's your overall thoughts here? Well, it was another way to make the rest of us feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, it's so clever. But you know what it really spoke to for me is they understand at the very core of why you're a developer and why you do this for a living. Other companies may read this article and say, oh, we're going to design these crazy challenges or get people to work for free to solve the problems we can't solve. That's not it at all. What this is, they just understand that if you were to see this puzzle and that's part of who you are as a developer. You want to solve it. It's part of their nature. So it's so brilliant. The rest of us are now feeling like, ah, oh, well, this is, they always do it so well. Well, this is where data is so critical because uh, they know automatically people that are looking. We're this guy's searching Python, and that's what we're leveraging for back end. So we know this person is potentially an engineer. So let's put it in front of him. If he doesn't do it, he doesn't oh, do yeah. it. No big deal. But yeah. you're right. It is in the nature of engineers to really look at these types of puzzles and challenges and go ahead and mm. do it. I, I need to take a look at back. Does it say, I, I'm assuming it says that do this challenge and then we want to talk to you or we want to look at hiring you. The way this guy wrote this article, when I read it, he did it for fun. And realized that it could lead to something because he wasn't looking for a job. He was no. looking for resources to help him on his job. And I think the real round of applause here goes to the recruiter to reach out and start a relationship with someone. And that gentleman works there now. So yes. he ended up taking the <laughs> and offer. And he now works there and he wasn't yeah. looking for work. Yeah. So great. Obviously not everyone is Google. Not everyone can do something similar to this. But we can all be creative as talent acquisition organizations, as companies to put something that is a little bit different, that's going to attract the right audience. And we have to start thinking about different ways to get it in the market. And this was a really clever way of doing it. Talking about clever, I went to lunch with an old friend that is head of HR at a local company here. And she was going through the challenges of recruiting and we're discussing different things that are successful and not successful. And she said, one of the key things when it comes to demographics that they were hiring, mm -hmm. uh, when it came to benefits, they didn't really care. When you're at 20 or 25, you care less about say RSP or what is it in the US? 401k. 401k matching, yeah. those yeah. types of things are less important, even though it should be very important because the younger you save, the better position you'll be. They partnered with a company here based in Calgary called Wire Plans. And Wire Plans, instead of matching RSPs, they take that money and they now look at student loans. And we've talked about education, oh, wow. how expensive so it smart. is. And oh, having the God. ability to have your student mm -hmm. loan payments match was actually a huge factor in this demographic. This company's not sexy in any way. They're oil and gas field services. I wouldn't say it's where everyone coming out of the university, this is the place where I want to work. But these types of benefits have made a really big difference. This is so great. I'd never thought of this. I'd never heard of this before. But again, a wonderful example of understand your audience, right? What's important to who you're trying to attract. 
So if your demographic is 20 to 30 year olds, what is important to them? When we look at benefit plans, it's one of those things. I just want to change the channel, go somewhere else, because I can't listen to another pitch on employee benefits with accidental death and dismemberment. Like seriously, (laughs) who cares? Who cares? And then we have to, as recruiters, turn around and try and sell this as something you should value. This, this is brilliant. What an absolutely great way to demonstrate that I get you. I hear you. If we are wanting early career talent, this is just a great idea. Well, if you think about benefits, there's not been much flexibility and a person in their 20s no innovation and a person either. in 50, yeah. usually your options are low deductible, high deductible, and here are your different benefits plan depending on which one you take. But the needs of a 20-year-old and the needs of a 50-year-old are going to be completely different. But we try to just one-size it for everyone and it's not working. And these and are the it types- hasn't for years. The, the benefits and insurance industry, certainly in Canada, I've yet to see anything innovative. I just think this is fantastic. So say you're a recruiter doing campus recruitment. Talk about a point that you can bring up right from the start. Like, join us. We're going to help you pay your student loans. Because as you're getting to the last year, you're probably starting to think about how the hell am I going to pay these loans? And these are the types of conversations that could really differentiate yourself from other companies at the same career events or hiring fairs that they have at university or when you're doing anything of campus recruitment. But overall, you you get a notification when you're about 30 days out from finishing that says, please note that you need to start repaying this back. That's when panic sets in. So this is brilliant. Good find search. Well, there's a lot of innovation in this space that we're seeing, right? Like we've got all the players that we've all known for a long time, the guy coming in with a nail fitting suit, trying to sell a company, these benefits package, maybe that's just my mental picture of it. But now there is a lot of tech companies and innovation around this that any company can access. And and sometimes this doesn't fall in talent acquisition. It falls more in HR. But as a talent acquisition, this is something we have to advocate because these types of benefits could be the difference of acquiring really good talent or not. Absolutely. Because I know as a practitioner, the best way to make friends with your HR leadership team is bringing this sort of innovative tools forward even though it's not technically under recruitment. Let's move on to our next thing we're going to talk about. You know how I love surveys, right? I love data. You pointed out a recent survey. Again, it's never surprising when surveys come up and say that your executive suite thinks things are just fine and um, we're drowning down here. Somebody throw me a rope. But in this survey, I wanted to focus more on the disconnect between recruiters and candidates. I don't think there's much news here. Recruiters are typically short-staffed. They're using old technology. And yet candidates expect that they'll get an immediate response and that this is going to be a really easy, smooth process. When they talk about candidate matching and sourcing technologies, none of this really seemed all that shocking or new. Imagine actually using an ATS. That's one. Job distribution platforms and software. I don't know. Is that not what most ATSs do? 
Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. But the one that we're seeing maybe for the first time is the virtual recruiting event platforms. And that was 32%. And the other that I'd like to chat a little bit more about is what they called video job description platforms. Yeah. So a couple of things, 375 recruiters was how many people they interviewed. Mm -hmm. And you're right, like candidate matching and sourcing technologies. I'm thinking that this group of recruiters are either at large companies or tech companies because most companies that I've seen and we've all seen use older ATS and that's about it, right? Whatever's in the ATS is what they're leveraging. So seeing candidate matching and sourcing technologies at 37% was really high. ATS at 34%. I thought that was weird. I think that's cute. But the virtual recruiting event platforms and video job description platforms were really interesting that that many are using it because I haven't seen much of it. Like how many video job descriptions do you see on LinkedIn? Very few. Maybe once a month I see one and it's generally just someone on their own, not leveraging any other technology or tools. And then in that same survey... They ask people, what are you going to be leveraging next year? And virtual recruiting event platforms was on top and video job description platforms were there too. I'm very excited to hear this because I do think virtual recruiting event platforms are really good, especially if you're recruiting high volume. We're talking about hospitality, food workers, truck drivers. There's so many great use that if you can get everyone into one event, interview them, hire them on the spot, this is the best way to do it in a remote world. So completely on board. Video job description platforms. The only one that I've really heard of that does uh, a good job is Video My Job, which I'm seeing a lot more. And we see players like Elena Valentine and Skill Scout, but those are a little bit more produced or more an employment brand exercise. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of technology that is coming out that these recruiters are looking outside of the ATS, which is exciting for me, but who is actually going to be leveraging? I am not hearing this from my network. No, I am certainly for the virtual recruiting event platform. Absolutely. Because in Canada, Indeed is still offering their virtual Indeed hiring events. The platform is still free. Now in the US, you have to have a subscription to use the Indeed hiring platform. And it's gaining in popularity because they've layered on some pretty cool features that they have just rolled out to some select clients in Canada, US and and the UK versus having to buy a bolt-on product to your applicant tracking system. Those are super expensive. When it comes to the video job descriptions though, I'm thinking this survey may have been done with iSIMS customers because iSIMS is offering a new module or product where you can embed in the job description a video. Yeah. Unfortunately, the likes of LinkedIn, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and most job boards, they don't have the ability to support video embedded in the job description. It's text only. If you're a featured employer, that's the only way you can get anything visual. But the job boards are really falling behind on this. I know iSIMS introduced that functionality. And boy, does it make a difference. 
It, right? it does make a difference. And it reminds yeah. me of the players out there with visual job descriptions, like busy recruiter mm-hmm. and root mm-hmm. leaders that you take a text base and make it visual, but it's never worked well with job boards. And there's a reason for that. Job boards want as standardized as they can across the board, also loading time, anything that can slow down the site. They do not want, and I get it because job seeker behavior is very um, antsy. They move around, they bounce off really quickly Mm -hmm. if the experience is not fast. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting how the Indeeds of the world start handling companies that want to do a lot more. They want to do video. They want to do visual job descriptions because they're not set up to be able to handle it. And that's maybe not a bad thing. We know that job seekers are number one source of where they go look for jobs, our job boards. But there is still an audience out there that you can target. When we talk about how do you leverage social media in a different way? Well, leveraging social media with a good video. And when I say good, I don't mean in production value, like something that's legit, that tells the real story, has the person talking about the job. It's going to have a bigger impact than a picture of saying we're hiring, which is what we're seeing on LinkedIn and other social media channels. Here is a way to create content and difference yourself outside of the job boards. This is where you leverage paid advertising. You actually hit the type of candidates with creative content. Video job description platforms are going to see an uptake, but people still rely on job boards. I would say most of the companies that I've worked with, job board is their only strategy, which I hate to say that. It's a start. It's it's a a start, start, right? It's better than nothing. It's better than thinking you can just leave them on your careers page and somebody's going to find them. You'd be amazed at how many companies still believe that if we dress up our career page enough, people will just flock directly to us, which is so absurd. Who's going to find you and then patiently wait until you post a job that I'm actually qualified for. That's not how people look for work. No, and, and people think, well, we're going to have the best SEO of any career page out there. It doesn't matter. Unless you're doing paid on these search results pages, you're not going to show up at yeah, all. I know, I know. You're not because like Indeed owns the search results pages in every market. So yes, you do need job boards, but you do need ways outside and video job description platforms are a big one. We're seeing our virtual recruiting event platforms. If you're doing a lot of those, I can tell you, they save you a ton of time and resources compared to the Zoom option, like webinar options. If you're doing any type of recruiting events or hiring events, you should have a platform. And I know the Indeed one is very dominant here in Canada and it's brilliant on their end because they've cornered the market in that space because you don't need to pay for it. Most of your candidates are probably coming from Indeed. So Mm -hmm. why not just leverage this one for free? Well, for now. Yeah, but you're still paying, right? Yeah, there's no, you pay for advertising, but they will start charging for the platform. And there's a belief, oh, well, we'll just stop using it. Well, once you start looking around at who the other service providers are and what they charge, (laughs) you be shocked because they are very expensive. The virtual event platforms. Do you think that's going to change? Because I think the biggest player is Brazen, right? That I've heard of. And I I did see their pricing. It is. It's expensive. It is expensive. Plus the cost of advertising. You need to weigh that in because where are you going to advertise? Facebook? (laughs) Well, you could. So last topic, Serge, let's talk about your friend and mine, the lovely, the incredibly talented Mr. James Ellis. His newsletter this week talked about the four legs of employer brand. 
And he just has this way of making everything so simple, so relatable, loves to tell the story. Let's roll through what he calls the four legs of employer brand. Cool? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. So let's talk about the first one. What is the employee experience at work? So answer that question. Every strong employer brand rests on the answers to these four questions. Let's start with the first one. What's the employee experience of work? Is it a a family? Do people fight and make up? Or is it very buttoned down corporate? So what is the experience? Well, I think this one is a big challenge for a lot of organizations because right now, 90% of career pages, job ads, everyone has a very similar message. And what I'm saying here is here's an opportunity to really target your audience. Describe who you really are because you're going to attract the people that want to do this job and want to work for your company. If your place is really buttoned up that you're all about professionalism, that's great. A lot of people, that's what they want from work. If this is uh, a very open place to work where it's laid back, people lay on couches and they spend a couple of hours going for lunch, but they work late at night, they bring your dog. If that's the environment, (laughs) Mm -hmm. well, some people are going to be very attracted to that. Some people are not going to be. And it goes to the point, employment brand and recruitment marketing, like he said uh, on one of our podcasts, not to sell a million widgets, right? As a normal marketer would be. In this case is you want to have the least amount of applicants that are qualified because more is not better, but if they're very targeted and very fit, and this is the first place I would start. Describe your workplace in reality, what it is, not what you think or want it to be. What is it right now? Because there's a lid for every pot and this is what he's aiming here. Absolutely. So the next thing he talks about is answer this question. What is the vision of the company? No matter who you are, being able to connect is such a, a basic human need and want. We all want to connect with something. And so if the vision is to solve world hunger, there are people who can absolutely get behind that. There will be others who are like, no, it's not for me. And so again, it it helps clarify your brand, who you are and what you're about. And, you know, the mission of creating value for our shareholders, like, are you serious? (laughs) That's your vision is to make your shareholders wealthy. Oh, okay. To some people, if you're an investment banker, maybe that is super sexy. But again, if that's your vision, then own it, right? Yeah. And every company is in a different phase, right? There's companies that are about to go through, say, a hockey stick growth where they're going to double in revenue next year. And there's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of work. It's intense hours. But some people thrive with that. And some companies are past that point. We're now in a position that we're not going to grow as quickly, but we're going to maintain. And some people want to work for leaders in the industry. And some people want to work for the challenger company in that industry that's coming up. Like describe who you are when you talk about the employment brand. And again, it goes to that realistic picture. So the next question is around what other jobs or company options does somebody have? I love this example, and I talk about it all the time. If you're an accountant, there's very few industries that are not open to you. In fact, every single company that is in business to make money will need an accountant. So accountants have what I think to be almost endless options. Sales is another. Sales is needed in 
every industry if you are in business to make money. Yeah. Whereas if you look at something like a nurse, medical is a big category, but it's just that category. It's not like you can cross industry sectors. So understanding what other options do people have? And this really speaks to understanding, do you really get who you're competing with? And you and I have talked about this endlessly is about now the option for remote work means you're no longer competing with even just local employers for certain jobs, understanding what options people have, because you need to understand your competition. Such a good point. Because if you look at say a pharmacist, the options are going to be either work at a hospital and the dispensary or go work in the major pharmacist chains. Like that person is going to determine, okay, do I want to work in this environment? Do I want to work in this? And for employers, it gives them the ability to target that right person. They know that their competition is the pharmacy, maybe across the street or the hospital compared to sales. You are competing against a ton of different industries, a ton of different type of companies. So you need to be aware of that and that will change the way you're going to market, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the last leg of this chair is what does your target audience want? If I'm going to change jobs, what do I want? So if you can't answer this question, you might as well just go back to bed. Mm. You need to know if your ideal candidate would never change jobs for less than 200,000, then go back to bed. Because if all you can offer is 70, but what they want is 200, you know what? You you need to find another angle. I'm not saying it's hopeless, but you need to find a different angle because if their demands are outside what you offer, that'd be good to know, right? Versus spending more money on advertising, more money on hire an army of recruiters, when in fact, you haven't solved the very thing. And that is understanding what they want from you. Perfect example. So say you are a tech company and you want to hire software engineers and you want them all to come into the office, are you going to be at a massive disadvantage? Not saying that you need to change your whole approach and not have them come in the office, but you're either going to have to pay more or have a product that is so attractive for them to be building on that it will attract them. You just need to know what those job seekers are looking for and the type of roles that you're recruiting and you can Mm -hmm. adjust to it Mm -hmm. and being clear of why you want these particular software engineers to come in the office, make it clear why that's the case. Just because the CEO wants us to, is not a a good answer, but there are certain people that in different parts of their career, they want to work for either a bigger or a smaller company as well. Really good point. And if you know that- They're two very different people at different points in their career. Yeah. Yeah. And and you need to know that going to your accounting example. Well, maybe um, the particular segment of people that you're recruiting in accounting are at the point that they want to work for a really large company to get that experience. Well, target them, create that message. So you know how much I love James Ellis. We both do. Yes. And and I think really what he calls it is the four legs of the employer brand stool. And it's broken down really well into what's current, What's the future? 
what's the collective of the company and what do individual want. So he's tied in everything really well. There's a couple of newsletters that I recommend you follow. So one is Recruiting Brain Food. This is the second one. It's called Employer Brand Headlines. Do check it out. Do subscribe. There's some great content every week. This is his own content that he's put out there that he calls the big ID. So Shelly, we've covered a lot again this week anything else exciting do you have an anniversary of some type that you're not telling me about what else are you keeping from me i'm not keeping anything from you serge when women get to a certain age or sorry i'm not going to generalize for my gender i'm going to say that for me birthdays aren't a big deal i love celebrating and i love celebrating others and that's just me so please don't feel bad that you missed my birthday. I will accept uh, very expensive gifts. So please send it by courier. You can bring it over in person. But I, I don't, don't mind celebrating my, my birthday, Shelly, just for you to know. It's coming up in a month, two months, around two months oh, from now. So okay. just keep okay. that on your radar. Yeah. And I do love really expensive gifts. No, I'm kidding. You know how cheap I am. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you could buy me anything. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. Another awesome week. Give me your birthday date so the whole audience knows and they can all send you happy birthday greetings. When is your birthday? It's the 30th of July. Okay. And everybody hear that? July 30th. You're going to be 40, right? No, 31. Yeah, 31. Okay. Okay. Perfect, (laughs) Shelly. Thank you for listening. Thank you. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.